Hello. Hi, guys. How are we doing today? I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. We're going to do things just a little bit differently today. Instead of talking about Biden, instead of talking about inflation, instead of talking about critical race theory, we're going to do a cultural mashup because there are two significant things that have happened in the entertainment industry, yes, Hollywood, that are quite interesting something that exposed the radical leftist ideology. The first of these things is on Disney Plus, there is a new show called She-Hulk. Maybe you're familiar with this character. This is a periphery character in the comic book series, The Hulk. Obviously the girl version of The Hulk. And Disney Plus has made a show about this. But this went viral this week, not because the show is good, not because people like it, but because the She-Hulk is woke. And feminists online are cheering for her because the She-Hulk claims that she knows how to control anger better than the Hulk because women are angry at men all the time um, because she says men mistreat us. And so she constantly controls her own anger. So I want to talk a little bit about, well, she's talking about male privilege, right? I want to talk a little bit about male privilege. What is this? Is it real? And I want to compare that to female privilege, something that is also real but it's not talked about at all. And I want to talk about which is a bigger deal, male privilege or female privilege, and what we should do about it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want to talk about The Girl's Next Level. Now, The Girl's Next Level, that's the name of a podcast that just debuted this week. It debuted on Monday. It is a Girl's Next Door rewatch show. Now, rewatch shows, podcasts, I should say, are very popular right now. There was an Office rewatch show where characters from The Office or the actors from The Office watched their former episodes and commented on things that happened behind the scene and just talked about it, watched it with you. This, I think there was one from The Hills, which was a popular reality show when I was in college. The Girls Next Door was a very popular show that aired on E! News in the early 2000s or the mid-2000s, and it centered around the Playboy Mansion. If you're not familiar with the show, if you don't know what it is, that's okay. I'm going to tell you all about it because what the girls next level, these girls that were Playboy girls do during this podcast, just the first episode even, is they accidentally expose the lies of the sexual revolution. It's incredibly heartbreaking, incredibly sad, but very, very interesting to hear their personal experiences. We're going to talk about that today. Also, I'm going on tour with the Young America's Foundation. I'm coming to college campuses all around the country to talk to leftists about leftists, about how destructive leftism is to you. If you want me to come to your college campus, go to yaf.org slash Liz. That is yaf.org slash Liz. You probably should do it pretty soon. I know y'all just got back to college this probably this weekend. My sister went back this week. You probably just got back, but my slots are filling up fast and I don't want you to miss out. So go to yaf.org slash Liz and put in your request for me to come to your campus now. Without further ado, let's dig into this show. All right, before we get into all of that, I want to talk to you about Beam Organics. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? And that if you sleep less than six to seven hours per night, it's linked to reduced white blood cell count. That's not good. Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important for your body's overall health, not just how you feel, but whether or not you are a healthy person. Well, a better tomorrow starts tonight. I want to introduce to you Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting 
premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people, in fact, surveyed fell asleep faster when taking Beam Dream and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. All you do is mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir it, and enjoy it 30 minutes before bedtime. And if you don't love it, you can get your money back, guaranteed. For a limited time, this is the deal I have for you. You can get $20 off when you go to my URL. It's beamorganics.com slash Liz, and use my promo code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz, and use my promo code Liz for $20 off at checkout beamorganics.com slash Liz, promo code Liz. Okay. So the first television show I want to talk about today is She-Hulk. The Hulk is, everyone knows who the Hulk is. It's the green superhero. Well, a peripheral character in the comic book series is the girl version of the Hulk, a woman who has the same superpowers as the Hulk. She is also green. I think it's supposed to be his cousin who gets contaminated with his blood or however it works in superhero world. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to you that I am a superhero or Marvel junkie. I'm not. I'm truly not. I am familiar, however, with the character of the Hulk. So the She-Hulk is the girl version. And there's a new a new series on Disney Plus that shows how the She-Hulk came to be, just like there's a show for every part of this whole universe, which I got to tell you guys, I don't fully understand, like I said. Okay, so this show just debuted, and it's not that it's organically popular yet. I think it's probably too soon to tell whether it's a good show or a bad show, even for those people who are really into comic book series or the Marvel universe. But the reason that it's going viral online is because the She-Hulk is very woke, very, very woke. She's obviously a feminist, and she this this particular clip that went viral is a 30 second clip where the hulk is expressing some skepticism about whether the she hulk will be capable of the job because the hulk says one of the primary things that i've had to learn is how to control my anger how to control and properly order this power that i have and the she hulk goes like total bitter feminist man-hater on the Hulk and claims that she actually controls her anger more often than the Hulk because men mistreat her all the time. This is the clip that went viral all over social media. Here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. I do it infinitely more than you. She looks like a little constipated toddler. I don't get this. This is not my experience as a woman. I do not live my life thinking of myself as a victim. I'm not a victim. I don't live my life bitter against men, even if even if there's been a man here and there who is rude or impolite to me. Honestly, in my experience in life, the people who are the rudest to me have been other women, not men. I don't understand living your life <laughs> acting like you are you are living under a repressive regime, this this patriarchy, cat called in the street in the street. Yeah, that's disrespectful. Why are you still thinking about it? It's disrespectful. So you teach your sons not to do that. And you try to eliminate that behavior by by well, by doing that by passing on to the next generation, training the next generation not to behave that way. Mansplaining? Really? You have this uncontrollable anger because some man tried to explain your expertise. You know what? If someone mansplains to you, 
You just sit there, you ignore them, and then you do your job so excellently that no one remembers the loser that was rude to you. <laughs> just do your job. I don't, I don't understand this. And she's so, I mean, talk about hyperbole. If I, if I call anyone out, I will be called emotional difficult or I will be literally murdered. Oh, will you? Will you be literally murdered? Literally murdered? Fun fact, not fun fact, actually, it's a gruesome fact. If you look at the total murder rate in our nation, the vast majority of murder victims in our country are men, not women. Yeah, we hear this, we hear this trope from feminists that women are more likely to be the victims of intimate partner violence, and that itself is true. And it's bad. I'm not saying that that's anything that can be justified. It's not. But in the whole big zoomed out picture here, men are much more likely to be murdered than women. So there's not some like male privilege involved here. Uh, literally murdered, she said, if I, if I contradict someone that's mansplaining me. Please, girl, please. Okay, so this is what feminism is about, right? We don't have to get into all this. We all know that feminism is not about equality under the law. It's not about equal rights for women. It's not about women having the choice to either stay home with their children or be in the workforce and that it's it's their choice to make. That's what that's what feminism was originally billed to be, right? That we just want equality under the law, the law. We want to be able to vote. We want to be able to own property. We want to choose whether we work or stay home with our kids. That's not what feminism is. Feminism actually is hating men. It's actually it feminism actually demeans women who choose to stay home with their children. It wasn't about just creating a choice where women could stay home if they wanted or didn't have to if they didn't want to. Feminism is is a crock, an absolute crock, but it's very destructive because there's this element of truth in feminism that women of course want equal rights. We want equal opportunity, we want equal protection under the law. And so feminists play to that tiny little grain of truth and draw a lot of women in. But what they do is they don't actually tell the truth to women. They don't actually analyze, well, what is male privilege? Is it real? And if so, what is it? And what are the ramifications of it? And is there a flip side to male privilege? Is there female privilege? And if so, what is that? And what are the far-reaching ramifications of that? So that's what I want to talk about today. Because what feminisms do is they construct this this patriarchy, essentially. They construct this patriarchy because we don't live in a patriarchy. A patriarchy is like an actual repressive regime. You can think about a lot of Muslim countries in the Middle East where women are not allowed to leave the house without the permission of their male guardian, where they're not allowed to uncover their face, where they're killed for literally talking to someone from the opposite sex. That's a patriarchy. That is bad. That is wrong. That is evil. That is inequality. That is somewhere that women are targeted. Not here in the United States. Like, are you kidding me? Are you joking? But what feminists do is they pretend that's what we have here, that we have a patriarchy that victimizes women based on, really, what it's based on is just differences between the sexes, differences between men and women. Feminists want to pretend that there are no differences. They encourage women not to pursue equality under the law and to pursue the best of themselves, to be the best woman that they can be, who God created them to be as women. They encourage women to ape men, to try to mimic men. And this is, I mean, that's anti-woman, right? To try to erase womanhood and replace that with this warped idea. A woman is never going to be a man. She's never going to act as a man would. She's never going to be a man as well as a man, even if her behavior mimics that. That's simply the case of it. So feminism creates this, this, this victim mentality. And a couple of examples of how they do this is they tell women that, oh, you're not paid equally. Even when you do equal work, there's a gender pay gap, which is, is not true. There is a gender pay gap, but it's not based on sexism. It's based on different choices that women make. But feminists, instead of respecting those choices, demonize women, vilify women's choices, even though women have different priorities than men, and that's okay. Feminists tell us it's not okay to have different priorities than men. 
There's also lies about how often women will be the victims of sexual assault, how often women's are, women are the victims of violent crime. They try to create this fear in women and this, this hatred towards men, and they're very successful. That's why a lot of feminists online are screeching in glee at this She-Hulk. So I want to talk a little bit about female privilege. Female privilege actually exists in our culture where areas that women do better and are more successful than men, areas that women are more protected than men, and areas that women are inherently safer than men. This would be, if if feminists were being honest, this would be the definition of female privilege because that's the flip side of male privilege. Male privilege is because you're a man, you're automatically more successful at X, Y, and Z, or because you're a man, some institution is constructed to help you be most successful based on your sex. Well, that exists for women. So a couple of examples of this are the gender pay gap. Contrary to what the feminists tell us that, oh, you're only going to make 77 cents or 73 cents on the dollar compared to men. Actually, single women under 30 in 98% of the country's largest cities earn 8% more than their male counterparts. Well, isn't that female privilege then if you live in those cities? That as a woman, you are automatically more likely to make more than your male counterpart. By the left's definition, that would be female privilege. Our education system, women get more scholarships than men. They win more awards academically than men. They get better grades than men do. Women are more likely to get into college. They're more likely to graduate from college. Women have, they earn more bachelor's degree. They earn more graduate degree, advanced degrees. Our education system is actually structured so that women are more successful than men. So isn't that institutional female privilege then, according to the definition of the left? It's institutionally then men are at a disadvantage in our education system. In the workforce too, in the workforce too, if this isn't female privilege, tell me what this is. 92% of workplace accident fatalities are men. 92 out of 100 workplace fatalities in our country every year happen to men. So again, our, our workplaces are structured to protect women to advantage women because of their sex. So that's female privilege. It's the opposite of male privilege. Violent crime in our nation. It is true that women are more likely to be the victims of intimate partner violence, and that's wrong. But of all murders and all suicides in our country, 78% of murder victims are men. So what about our society makes it more dangerous for men. Suicides, 78% of suicides are men too. What about our society makes it so much safer to be a woman, protects women from the mental health crisis that would lead to suicide? This, this is statistically female privilege. And I'm pulling a lot of these numbers from Christina Hoff Summers. Kudos to her for pulling all this together. If you want to look at the full breadth of her work, you can go to the factual feminist because this is what she does. She debunks a lot of this stuff. Think about our federal prison population. Who's in prison? Men are. 93% of federal inmates are male. There was a study done that compared when women commit the same crimes that men commit and they have similar criminal backgrounds to the men who commit the same crimes. You would think based on you know, the premise of the gender pay gap, you would think that all else being equal, they would receive the same sentences? Nope. Men receive drastically more severe sentences. What is that? That's female privilege. 
60% of homeless people are male. Only 40% are female. Think about our military. 85% of active duty military are men. This is all female privilege in our culture. It's not problematic, just like it's not problematic per se, where there are areas where men are advantaged. There are always going to be areas of advantage or disadvantage when you have differences, whether it's differences of skill, whether it's differences of weakness, whether it's just differences. The sexes are different. Male and female are different. We are made to complement each other. And therefore, those differences, if you want to measure it, which I don't know why people would want to measure this, because when something complements each other, you're not supposed to just be in a constant competition. You're supposed to complement. But if you are looking at it through this very legalistic, very competitive mindset, then yes, when there are differences, that means that someone is better at something and someone is less good at something, that someone is better at another thing and less good at something else. And it doesn't mean that male privilege and female privilege have to be a war between men and women. But according to, according to the She-Hulk, she's constantly mistreated by men, by mansplainers and catcall. It's funny that those are the things that she'd be so rageful about and not things like um, the fact that eight out of 10 murders in our country are against men. I wonder why the Hulk isn't mad about that. Doesn't he have a right to be mad about that? But catcalling, catcalling makes She-Hulk rageful. There is male privilege. There's female privilege too. And my solution to it, what are we supposed to do about this? Get over it. We don't live in a patriarchy. We don't live in a matriarchy. It's simply the differences between the sexes and nothing anyone can do will change the fact that men and women are different. Okay, that's the first cultural thing that we need to talk about. The second cultural thing is the Girls Next Door, this Playboy show that aired on E! News. If you haven't seen this, it's okay. Probably a good thing if you haven't seen this. I'm gonna explain to you why this is relevant. But first I wanna talk to you about Incogni. Two things that are really important to me online are safety and privacy. That's why I like Incogni. Thousands of companies right now, as we speak, are collecting, aggregating, and trading your personal data without you knowing anything about it. Maybe you subscribed for a free newsletter and shortly after you started receiving lots of spam from unknown senders. Maybe you searched for medical information online and then started seeing ads all over your screen about it from places that you never visited. It's just so creepy. The good news is you have the right to request data brokers to delete what information they have about you to protect your privacy. The bad news is it would take you years to do it manually. The best news is, is Incogni can do the messy work for you automatically. Incogni helps protect your privacy and take your personal data off the market. They reach out to data brokers on your behalf, requesting your personal data removal and dealing with the objections of the companies. Most often, the data brokers hold your name, your email address, your home address, your phone number, even the names of your relatives, your social security number, your employment history, your shopping habits, yeah, I told you it was really creepy. You need Incogni. I love it. I know you will too. The first 100 people to use my URL, it's incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler, and use promo code Liz Wheeler, get 20% off Incogni. Protect your privacy today. Go to incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler and use code Liz Wheeler to take your personal data off the market. Today's video is sponsored by Incogni. Okay, so the girls next door. I'm gonna say this again. If you didn't watch this show, it's probably kudos to you. I was obviously not allowed to watch this show. It aired when I was born in 1989. It aired in 2005. It ended in 2009. So I was a late teenager when the show aired. I obviously wasn't allowed to watch it. And I actually didn't want to watch it much. I have to admit, maybe as any teenager does, I did watch a few episodes here and there when my parents weren't around because it was such a cultural thing. It aired on E! News. And the premise of the show was Hugh Hefner, of Playboy, 
at the Playboy Mansion, had a trio of girlfriends who lived with him in the mansion. These girlfriends, you can see them on the screen. Holly, Bridget, and Kendra were the three his three current girlfriends who all lived with him at the house. And this show was very interesting because it centered around these three girls and their their hijinks and their bimboness and their cat fights and what it was like to live at the mansion. And Hef was not, Hugh Hefner was not a major character in this show. He just kind of shuffled around in the background. Like, super creepy dude though, right? His role, he was so old by the time this show aired that he had this demeanor of being almost like a very, very creepy grandpa. They said that they were having sex with him behind the scenes, but the way that they interacted with him, like their voices were raised, like he was hard of hearing. They almost like patted him condescendingly, just really, really weird twisted stuff. Now, this is probably what you would expect from a show that centered around Playboy. However, this show was arguably even more dangerous than Playboy itself because the show wasn't just intended to appeal to an existing Playboy audience, people who thought Playboy was great, who watched their videos and got their magazine. This show aired on a mainstream channel. This show aired on E! News, which is a pop culture news channel. Like if you if you read People Magazine, those stories that would be in People Magazine were what, what, were, what were aired, still are aired actually, this channel still exists, um, on E! News. And so in between, like, oh, Justin Bieber has Lyme disease, and look at this ginormous tuxedo he wore to XYZ award show, in between that was this show. This show aired. And that show, that channel appeals typically to young women, young women in my age demographic. So at the time, in their 20s, now those women are in their 30s or 40s. And what the show really didn't show a lot is it didn't, you didn't really know, you didn't really have to come to terms with the fact that behind the scenes of the show, that these women were coerced. I know that they chose suit of their own free will, but we'll see why that is a lie in a moment. That they were coerced into participating in drug-fueled orgies and public sex with Hugh Hefner. You never really had to come to grips to, with that reality when you were watching the show because that stuff wasn't shown. It was more the very light, very shallow hijinks that didn't really have morality attached to it aside from the premise that these women were living with Hugh Hefner as his trio of girlfriends. So I would argue that that makes the show more dangerous because it doesn't really portray what the reality is. It just shows the, the so-called glamour of this odd and therefore interesting lifestyle. So that show aired between 2005 and 2009, and maybe that's more than you ever wanted to know about it. But listen to this. There is now a new podcast called The Girls Next Level. And this is a rewatch show. Rewatch shows are very popular right now. The Office just had one where um, Pam and Angela, I forget what the actresses' names are, but the, the actresses that played Pam and Angela watched old episodes of The Office together. And while they were watching, they talked about each episode. They talked about the behind the scenes. They talked about the funny things that happened. And it's just, it's it's like sitting there literally with the people who made the show, listening to all of the juicy information that you that you love to see. It's like blooper reels and extras on, um, and extras that are released on the, the DVD version of the series. This is what rewatch shows are. I think there's another really popular one. I haven't personally seen this one um, from The Hills, which was another reality show that aired during my high school era. So the girls next level are two of the girls that were part of the girls next door. So I said there were three girls. There was Bridget, there was Holly, and there was Kendra. The girls next level, the podcast is Bridget and Holly, and they're rewatching these episodes and talking about the reality of what it was like and any behind the scenes details. And what's fascinating to me is these girls, 
don't say they regret taking part in this. They're not exactly cognizant of what they're saying in the larger picture because they don't go on the show and say, listen to me, young women, don't do what I did. Hugh Hefner was evil and Playboy is a lie and the sexual revolution actually harms women. It doesn't liberate us. They're not saying that. They're not saying that at all. But they, without saying that, that's what they're admitting. When they're talking about their experiences, that's all I could think of. All I could think of when I was listening to the show and reading about this show is, oh my goodness, they're admitting what Christians and conservatives have said about the sexual revolution, that it's a lie. They're admitting that that's true because that was their personal experience. So what exactly does the sexual revolution tell us? The sexual revolution tells us that morals are stifling, that monogamy is outdated, that you can't be truly free, you can't be truly liberated unless you are promiscuous, that there is no negative repercussions to casual sex, that it is simply a physical thing, it is not a spiritual thing or an emotional thing, and that if you want to have true agency over your body, then you have to make bad decisions and sleep with people that you might not want to sleep with, that you aren't committed to, that you aren't married to, that you don't love. This is what the sexual revolution tells us, and that none of this behavior has any negative ramifications. And so on that note, keeping that in mind, I, this is this is Holly's first. This is the first thing that Holly said about watching some of the first episodes. The first three were kind of traumatic. I have to say, like I just hated watching myself. I looked at myself and I thought, she's a f- zombie. Oh no! And I know what made me a zombie, but not everybody else does. So we have to give you guys a prequel. We have to go back to when we first got involved with Playboy, before we even moved into the mansion, how we got there, what we went through. Because Bridget and I lived there for like three and a half years before the cameras even started rolling. And there was a lot that went on. So when I see myself in this first episode, I, I know what conditioned me to be the way I was. And I feel like you guys need to know that before we jump in. So... The two words that stuck out of me and in that part was when she said the first three episodes to rewatch were kind of traumatic. And the question would be, if you're looking at this through the lens of the sexual revolution, what was traumatic about this? You had the agency and you gave full consent to be a part of this show and you were in this relationship of your own free will and you were consenting to the sexual, the sexual behavior that was going on. And she still says it was traumatic. So why was it traumatic? Well, it's traumatic even if you consent to it because this is this is this is not what sex is supposed to be. She said she was a zombie. The other thing that stuck me stuck out at me when I heard this was the word groomer. We're not allowed to say the word groomer on Twitter now as it relates to teachers and other queer theory activists grooming our children to being trans, but this is essentially what's happening in this show too, is these young women who come from sometimes traumatic backgrounds are groomed into behaving in like they're behaving in this situation. They're groomed into exposing themselves and thinking that this is where their value lies. This is what their worth is, that they are only worth what they are willing to do. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking, especially as a mom now, to see this and to see that the world will just eat up our children will just devour our daughters and tell them that they are they are good for nothing other than being objectified. That's what these women are telling. This is just the beginning, by the way. We're then going to get into what they say about sex. If you have kids, you're not going to want your kids to hear this part. Um, I think we should listen to this part as adults because we have to understand what we're facing. But yeah, if there if there are if there are youngins around, you might want to walk in the other room or put an AirPod in. Um, and while you do that, I'm going to talk to you quickly about Bambi. I like Bambi, and I think you will too, because if you are a small business owner, have you ever had an issue with employee attendance? 
Who among us hasn't? Have you had an employee altercation in the workplace? Have you ever been confused on how to handle a situation with an employee? Have you ever had employee performance issues? Have you ever stressed about navigating through HR compliance? Well, the bad news today is that one complaint against your company can turn your world upside down. The good news is Bambi is here to help small business owners implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for you, for businesses just like yours, so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. This is how it works. First, Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies like workplace training and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. They're available by phone, by email, or by real-time chat. Now, as you know, an in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year, which is unaffordable to many small business owners. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees. You can cancel any time. You run your business. Let Bambi run your HR. Go to Bambi.com slash Liz right now for your, fir- your free HR audit. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Liz. Bambi.com slash Liz. Okay. Now that the room is cleared, this is Holly talking about how these young women were coerced into having group sex with Hugh Hefner, group sex, public sex. I mean, disgusting, horrible. But these women are portrayed as thinking it's, oh, this is so fun. This is just partying. This is sexual liberation. This is how we feel fulfilled, blah, blah, blah. This is the behind the scenes. This is the truth of what happens. Take a listen. Everybody wanted to get this over with as quickly as possible. Like none of the females were into it. Like, sorry to burst the bubble, but none of us were into it. We thought of it as a chore that we had to do or else we'll get kicked out of the house and everybody just wanted to make it go by as quickly as possible. So what she's saying is that the sex in the Playboy Mansion was transactional, which to a certain extent we always knew, right? Those of us who warned that the sexual revolution is a bad thing and that taking sex, separating sex and morality is going to be create a fundamentally broken society. But that's what she's saying. She's admitting that sex is transactional. And who does transactional sex hurt the most? Well, it hurts women the most. And so women are hurt by this the most. And she says this outright. Like I said, they're not sitting here saying that they regret being part of the show or that they are angry at half or that they're now <laughs> that they're now pious Catholics who reject promiscuous sex. I don't think any of them actually take that position. But she is admitting the truth. This is Bridget talking about how she personally felt physically after being coerced into having sex with Hugh Hefner for the first time. It was disappointing (laughs) and embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, so embarrassing. Like, I can't explain to you guys how embarrassing that whole routine was, especially as we got later down the road when there would be like a lot of conflict with the other girls. Because you're literally sitting there naked having sex in front of a group of people who hate you and talk shit about you while you're having sex and you can hear it. Yeah. It was just like hell. But for this first night, like you're naked and having sex with somebody that you don't even necessarily want to have sex with and you don't even know the other girls really. Like, yeah, I was friends with like two of them ish, but not like I didn't know anybody super well. And, uh, but I was just like, it's barely anything. Like they're just like barely doing anything. And there's definitely not really romance involved in this. This is just an example of what Catholics, especially Christians, especially have said for a long time that first principles exist. First principles, meaning there are objective truths in our reality. It's, it's, it's natural law really that exists, whether or not you acknowledge it. And one of those natural natural laws or one of these 
pieces of objective reality, one of these first principles is that you actually can't separate yourself from God. You can reject God, but just because you don't believe in God or act according to his tenets, you can't you can't fully separate yourself from that. And, and this is perfectly exemplified here because what, what she's describing feeling is shame. And shame is not just a feeling that comes because there is some societal stigma that is artificially manufactured and placed on a certain behavior. Shame is something that is formed inherently inside of us. It's part of our consciences. And shame is not something that's necessarily bad. There are bad parts of shame. There's toxic shame, which means not being able to forgive yourself even as God has forgiven you. But shame itself is actually, as John Paul II said, shame is actually an acknowledgement that part of you is worth protecting, that you have inherent value and therefore shouldn't be degrading yourself or allowing yourself to be degraded in certain ways. And what she's, ex what both Bridget and Holly in that clip are explaining are feeling shame, feeling embarrassment. And this is what we said would happen under the sexual revolution. And they're talking about, again, they're not becoming, they're not, they're not going on the mega church tour here. They're not becoming, they're not becoming evangelical or Christian or Catholic preachers here. But what they're doing is they're really stating the reality of what it is if you if you buy into the narratives that the sexual revolution tries to sell. And there's so much coercion involved with this too. This isn't just women who are like, okay, well, if there's no morals, I'm going to do these things. No, this is, this is actually somewhat what I was talking about with She-Hulk before and about how feminism has told women that women shouldn't just have an equal choice. They shouldn't be just free to make the choice that they want to make. They, sh they should be encouraged to try to mimic men. This is what the sexual revolution told women about sex. Women are very relational about sex. The vast majority of women don't, don't want casual sex anyway, even if they don't have religious compunctions against it, or even if they don't involve it with morality, they simply don't want casual sex. They want sex in a committed relationship with someone that they love. But the sexual revolution told women that that's wrong, that that feeling is something to be ashamed of, that feeling is something to be rejected. But truthfully, women can't reject that as Holly articulates in this part. I thought I would have a chance to kind of see what's going on, see if I was comfortable with it. I just right. remember feeling so gross and so used. Like I felt like this girl was being so nice to me and so welcoming, but really I was just like another piece of meat for her to throw under him so she looks better. Another piece of meat just being used. We're told, these women were told that being involved in this lifestyle that they wouldn't be used. And there's a... Matt, I'm not sure which clip number this is because I forgot to note it in my script. It might be clip number six, where she talks about what the girls called Hugh Hefner in the bedroom and what this girl that they that that they won't actually Holly and Bridget, and this is one of actually my main questions from this podcast, is they won't name this girl that they call the recruiter, the woman who reminds me of Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend who would bring in these young women for Jeffrey Epstein to abuse. There was a woman who played a very similar role in Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion. She would bring in these new girls, like Holly was describing herself as the new girl. I don't understand why Holly and Bridget won't name this woman. I think they should name this woman. I want to know who this woman is. But she talks about what this woman calls Hugh Hefner. Matt, do we have that clip? There's like vibrators laid out for everybody. I'd never used a vibrator in my life. So I'm laying there like waiting for everybody else. And I don't even remember like everybody else walking in. I just remember laying down and then all of a sudden everybody else is there. 
And the first thing that happens is the recruiter says, Daddy, I'm gagging as I'm saying this, but everybody used to call him Daddy in the bedroom, which is so gross. So she'd be like, Daddy, do you want to get the new girl? And I you not. Next thing I know, he's on top of me. And I was like, okay, so he was on top of you. Yes, I was laying at the end of the bed. Because later on, like things would get so routine, like he wouldn't move. He would be like a bump on the log in the middle of the bed. But also, like, I wasn't getting up. So I guess if he thought I was the first one he was going to have sex with, he had to get up. Because I was so wasted. So I just hear her going, Daddy, do you want to get the new girl? And next thing I know, he's on top of me. And I'm like, okay, so that happened. And then I don't even remember what else happened the rest of the night. So the father of the American sexual revolution is a man named Alfred Kinsey, who is one of the most twisted individuals, serious, like, like psychiatric problems out the wazoo, like sexual abuse, pedophilia. This is the guy who is responsible for the sexual revolution in our country. And we can do a bigger expose on him some other time. But this, this is something that I find to be a pattern in people who embrace the sexual revolution, not just in theory, but in practice, the way that Hugh Hefner did at the Playboy Mansion, is they are deeply disturbed individuals. They are psychologically unwell individuals. They are traumatized, damaged individuals, not just people who are idiots or losers, who choose in in selfishness and who choose in selfishness to behave in a way that harms others and kind of ignore the harm that their that their actions have. But these are people, I mean, calling being called daddy in the bedroom, like what? what? These are deeply, deeply unwell people. And this is, this is kind of where it started in our culture. We're, right now, we're facing this trans ideology where we are being told that we have to acknowledge that people who feel like men or feel like women are women, even if they were born men. And that's just, it's just untrue. It's just not real. That's, that's not accurate. It, it, it's, it's not true. And we're being told that we have to accept that. And this is the same as the sexual revolution. We were being told that we have to accept as normal behavior that was motivated by psychological illness. Just like the trans ideology is motivated, yes, in part by cultural Marxism because they want to destroy objective truth. And they're using as pawns, they're using people who are psychologically unwell, who suffer from gender dysphoria and other comorbidities they're using those people. The sexual revolution did the same thing. It used psychologically unwell people, people who are abused, people who are traumatized. And they use those, people's in, use those people in pursuit of destroying the nuclear family, removing sex from the context of marriage. And this is a pattern that I see over and over again in any kind of enterprise that has embraced the sexual revolution is deep psychological unwellness. Bridget goes on to say how she, this is actually on her show. This wasn't even on the girl's next level, she goes on to describe the physical ramifications of how she felt after she was coerced into sex with Hugh Hefner for the first time. And it, I mean, this is really heartbreaking stuff. I had a hard time listening to this one. I remember when I woke up the next morning, I felt really weird. Like I had never done anything like that before. Not just with like Hef, but like anybody, like I didn't, I had not had one night stands. Yeah. I group was, sex. <laughs> or group sex for sure not. And I felt really icky. Um, and I feel like icky is the best way to describe it because I just felt yuck all around. And I felt crazy lonely. Like I felt like I was the only one in that whole mansion. And I had no idea what where anybody else was or if anybody was 
up or do they how late do they sleep in do we have breakfast together yeah. like I had no idea what happens now do I just go home do I say goodbye like I don't even know what to do and I just felt gross like I wanted to throw up doesn't that just break your heart when I listened to that I didn't think of her as the way that she looks in that pinup as this hypersexualized version of herself being objectified. I thought of her as like a little girl. Just a little girl made in the image of Christ who got off on the wrong path and who just needs needs to be hugged by her parents and who needs to be embraced by the love of God. I felt so sad. So sad. This is why conservatives and Christians have been so preachy about the evils of the sexual revolution because this is what it is. The sexual revolution was built on lies. You are not liberated by promiscuity. It doesn't mean that you, in order to capture your full agency, that you have to sleep with people in the casual sense outside of marriage, outside of the person that you love and are committed to. It doesn't make you more powerful. It doesn't make you more like a man. You shouldn't try to be more like a man. The sexual revolution is full of abuse and manipulation and coercion. It, it makes sex transactional. And the people that are, tran, that, are, that are transacted are women. It hurts women. There's actually an article in the Wall Street Journal by a woman named Louise Perry. Louise Perry is the author of a book called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. And this woman does not come at this from a Christian perspective, per se. She comes at it just from a practical perspective. And I want to read to you just a little bit of what she wrote. She wrote, men on average prefer to have more sex and with a larger number of partners, while the vast majority of women, if given the option, prefer a committed relationship to casual sex. Sex buyers are almost exclusively men, and men watch a lot more pornography than women do. Men and women also differ dramatically in their baseline levels of sexual disgust, with women much more likely to be revolted by the prospect of someone they find unattractive. Disgust induces a physiological response that can be measured through heart and respiration rate, blood pressure, and salivation, although the individual may not be aware of these indicators. And studies find that on average, the sexual disgust threshold is much lower for women than it is for men. Being groped in a crowd or leered at while traveling alone or propositioned a little too forcefully in a bar, all of these situations can provoke this horrible emotion. It's an emotion that women in the sex industry are forced to repress. In fact, Perry writes, as the prostitution survivor Rachel Moran has written, the ability not to cry or vomit in response to sexual fear and disgust is one of the essential skills demanded by the industry. In the West, Perry writes, hookup culture is normative among adolescents and young adults. Although it's possible for young women to opt out, research suggests that only a minority do. Absent some kind of religious commitment, this is now the normal route presented to women and girls as they become sexually active. And hookup culture demands that women suppress their natural instincts in order to match male sexuality and thus meet male demand for no-strings sex. Isn't that interesting? Even setting religion aside, these first principles, this objective reality still exists. And listen to what she writes. Studies consistently find that following hookups, women are more likely than men to experience regret, low self-esteem, and mental distress. Female pleasure is rare during casual sex. Men in casual relationships are just not as good at bringing women to orgasm in comparison with men in committed relationships. In first-time hookups, only 10% of women orgasm, compared with 68% of women in long-term relationships. These figures don't suggest a generation of women reveling in sexual liberation. Instead, 
a lot of women seem to be having unpleasant sex out of a sense of obligation. And what did these girls from the Playboy Mansion say? They said they felt obligated. They felt coerced. They felt pressured. They didn't want to. It, did, it wasn't good for them. It made them feel gross. They suffered mental anguish and phys the physical manifestation of their mental anguish afterward. It hurt them. The sexual revolution hurts women. And I think it's absolutely fascinating that this show, which was so popular in the early to mid-2000s, so very popular, it normalized Playboy to a new generation, not just of young men who want to consume pornography and consume Playboy materials, but to young women who found this life to be glamorous and not that offensive because you didn't have to actually come to grips face-to-face -face with the reality of what was happening behind the scenes. It was all a lie. And the girls who were taken advantage of who starred in the show are admitting that it was all a lie. If you haven't already subscribed to my show, please do so. Go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and click the, click the subscribe button. On YouTube, you can find me at Liz Wheeler Show. Please click the subscribe button over there. Also click the bell so we can notify you every time we have a new episode or a new video for you. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.